The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passions making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Amen. Would you remain standing, take your Bibles and turn to... 2 Corinthians. We've been doing a series uh, called Amazing Grace, and um, we've done a number of messages, six or seven messages in that series, and uh, I'll return to it as the Lord leads, but felt strongly led to preach the message to you that I'm going to bring called Walking in the Anointing uh, this morning out of 2 Corinthians. We'll read that, chapter 1. We do have notes for you. encourage you to use those if you're a note taker. And um, before we read the text, let me, let me preface to say that we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, which will be evident as we preach and teach to you today. I... Um, I have uh, struggled over the years. I struggle no more, but I've struggled over the years. Well, I guess that's not true. Maybe I still struggle a little bit. It's quite a thing to, uh, to hold the tension between pastoring and revival. To be uh, flowing in the power. How many of you know if you just flow in the gifts of the Spirit and and roll around every service, how many of you know that you might be lacking in some of your uh, teaching in the Word? You've got to be taught the Word. You've got to to grow in the Word. You've got to grow in the knowledge of God. And uh, a number of years ago, we know churches that were impacted by God's power and pastors would get up and fall out on the pulpit and roll around. And churches that were making a large impact, saving souls and reaching their community were cut in half as the pastor every week would fall out and uh, laugh on the pulp on the, in the altar area. And there were others that were falling out and, you know, getting touched by the Lord. Uh, and then the churches went from the size that they were to a third of that. And then they ended up closing their buildings. And that happened. Now I prayed, I said, Lord, I am not going to become a religious person. I don't want to be somebody who's just dried up and dead. That, that, that is not what we want. You, you can't just study the word. You have to have the word and you have to have the spirit. If you just have the word, you're going to dry up. If you just have the spirit, you will blow up. Anybody ever seen anybody blow up? Uh, besides me, anybody else? All right. Anybody seen anybody dry? I mean, no joy, no fire, no zeal, no passion. Well, they might know the word, but it's not alive to them. I've seen both. And so as I asked the Lord about that, or, uh, you know, years ago, he said, son, I want you to teach and cast vision and pastor on Sunday mornings. Not that I'm not a pastor at other times, but to do that on Sunday mornings specifically cast vision, teach. And, and then on Sunday night and your midweek, you just flow in the fire. I said, okay, Jesus. So we've tried to catch a mixture of that. Walking in the anointing, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, find verse 21. And if you're all there, say, woo. All right. <laughs> Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us in God, who has sealed us and even given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you're going to do. Amen. You may be seated. Praise God. What is the anointing? Have you ever heard that term? It's, it's become sort of Christianese where we've seen people say, oh, that's so anointed. What does that mean? What does it mean that's so anointed? What does it mean he has the anointing? What does it mean to be anointed or that was an anointed worship service or anointed message? What does it mean? I feel the anointing. You ever, I'm gonna raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about, the anointing. What is, what is that? Because when I first got saved, it was this mystical thing, the anointing, and I had no idea what the anointing was. 
come to find out when people would say something was anointed, I was experiencing God's presence and power and would say, okay, well, the anointing has something to do with that. The first anointing we see in all of Scripture is found in Genesis chapter 28, verse 18, and it's with the patriarch Jacob. And he has this experience where God reveals himself to him, and he sees angels ascending and descending what is called Jacob's Ladder, a place called Bethel, called the house of God. He says, this is none other than the house of God, and he anoints that place, and he pours oil out. In the Old Testament, priests and kings were anointed, and on occasion, uh, prophets. And the picture of that, and you can see in Psalm 133, uh, it's the oil, the, the priestly anointing is the oil being poured, which is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, being poured over the head of Aaron, down his beard, onto his garment. And Psalm 133 says how good and pleasant it is their brethren to dwell together in unity, for it's there that God commands his blessing. And it's a, a key to the anointing. I'm getting into defining it. But a key is, is, is unity. And so... What's interesting is to understand that the reigning, the reigning king throughout Israel's history, the reigning king was called the anointed one. In fact, uh, the anointed one was also called the Messiah. So a king would be called the Messiah. Did you know that? That's the Hebrew word, Messiah. And we translate that word into Greek, which is Christ. So Jesus the Messiah or Jesus the Christ, it's the same thing. Jesus the anointed one. And so there was a hope born in Israel. There was a hope in, the, in, in Jews. And especially at the, uh, at the birth of Christ, there was a hope that, that God would bring the anointed one, that God would bring the Messiah who would reign in righteousness. And so the depths of, a, of the heart of a Jew, there was this hope that God would send his anointed one or send his Messiah. And of course he did. And they still wait for the Messiah. They say Mashiach standing upon 2 Samuel and many other scriptures, chapter 7, verse 16. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever. Before me, your throne is established forever. Every Jewish person would claim that, that promise. God, you said. And other scriptures like in Isaiah, chapter 61, and you could, you could turn there. Also in Isaiah 11. You see, that they would cry out for the Messiah, meaning a king, but not just a king, the promised king, that God would come himself, Emmanuel, step out of eternity into time and space, the anointed one, the Christ, to use the Greek, the king of kings, the Lord of lords would come, a different kind of king, and the anointing would not just be a physical anointing, where oil would be poured over, actually the, the manifestation of that would be the Holy Spirit and substance would be fully upon him. Jesus was fully God, fully man, and he had the Spirit without measure. You and I have the Spirit with measure. Jesus had it without measure. Isaiah 61 says this, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. To preach the good news to the poor, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and re release of darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And you can read in Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. Wow. A king would come with the power of heaven. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, we, we just read this not long ago as we went through the Christmas season. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You see, we get a glimpse that out of the, that we, we see prophetically that out of the lineage of David, God would send his son who would rule and reign forever. And so he does. And his name is Jesus. His name is Yeshua. 
and he offers all mankind forgiveness of sins and life abundantly. John says that in his gospel, I suppose that if all the miracles that Jesus did were recorded in all the books of the earth could not hold them. We could say it in modern terms, all the hard drives couldn't hold everything that Jesus did, all of his miracles. Now let's look at the text. This is the only time, everybody say the only time. It is the only time that the apostle Paul uses the word anointed in his letters. Verse 21. And he uses a play on words for God puts us in Christ and he Christed us. He anointed us, he, he Christed us. So the, the, the word Christ means anointed one, right? Okay. So what it means is that when you come to Jesus and you repent of your sin, he comes into your life and you are put in him. He's in you, you're in him. And we share in his anointing. You're anointed by the very fact that Jesus lives on the inside of you. Uh, but there's more. In John 20, Jesus breathes. It's a prophetic act, really, uh, picturing Acts chapter 2, where God sent his Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the Apostle Paul says, is available for you. And you read the letters of the Apostle Paul, and you can't get away from the fact that he thinks there's something pretty important about the Holy Spirit and the power of God. In fact, he says, I've not come with the eloquence of man or the wisdom of man, but the power and the demonstration of the Spirit. You see, through, throughout the 70s, there was a great teaching movement. And I'm, I'm so thankful for the, for the teachers in the 70s. And, and now there's great teachers too. But there has to be demonstration also. There has to be the manifestation of the Spirit. Otherwise, you get warped. You see, if all you do is, is, is listen to the word and get taught the word, but you never see it demonstrated, you, it's really only about half of renewing your mind at best. You not only have to hear the word, but you have to do the word. You don't want to be like a man who looks in the mirror and then goes away and forget what he looked at. You have to hear the word and then you have to do it. And it's in that that releases really a, a, a maturity. There has to come demonstration and, and a building and a growing of your faith. I've known many a people that just say, well, I just don't really see any miracles. Well, when's the last time you stepped out to actually lay hands on something that needed one? Uh, I don't feel comfortable doing that. Exactly. Well, maybe that's the problem. Maybe it's not, maybe it's not the Lord that's having the problem. You know, God doesn't have a problem. How many of you know God is not lying on a gurney up in heaven hoping that we're going to make it? So when you look at the Apostle Paul, he, he sees the Holy Spirit, and this is right in your notes, he sees the Holy Spirit as a person, he sees the Holy Spirit as God's presence, and he sees the Holy Spirit as God's power, and you see that throughout the scriptures. He says things like, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Now given that, as we look at this text, the Holy Spirit is not only anointing us or Christing us, but he goes on to say these words. Verse 22, look at verse 22. Now he who has sealed us, oh, and has given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee, or arabon is the Greek. Now, not only is the Holy Spirit poured out on us, but it's a seal of ownership. It's a guaranteeing a, a deposit. Have you ever put a deposit down on a house? All right, your earnest money. If I take my daughter's Bible, thank you, dear. And I look on the inside cover. somewhere in here somewhere <laughs> I'm almost there there we go 
This Holy Bible is presented to Hannah Joy Bracken by Mom and Dad. So this is the seal. This is, this is hers. It's the seal of ownership. So if she was to leave it on the pew and somebody gets it, I mean, you have to like cut that page out. And it was given on February 14th. What's that Valentine's Day? Aww. In the year 2013 of our Lord. The Holy Spirit is a seal. It's a guarantee upon you, upon me. It's a, it's a down payment. It's a really like a foretaste of what's to come, a deposit. And if we, we could just talk about that for a second. You see, we, we're to bear the character of our Lord. That means the work of the Spirit in us is to manifest Jesus to the world. So, so I'm, let me say that again. The work of the Holy Spirit in you, the gifts, the character, the power of the Holy Spirit for is for what reason? It's not just for your hair to stand on end. <laughs> it's to manifest Jesus to people at work. It's to manifest Jesus to the world. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. God's plan is for you and I to bear the character of the Lord. We're supposed to be like Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord. See, God's work in you, the power of the Spirit of God, he's anointed you, he's Christed you for what purpose? To become like him. So it's not just, you know, that you can pray in tongues and lay hands on the sick. That's all wonderful, it's great, and th those are promises for sure. But it's so that we could actually be like him in our character, in our thoughts, in our actions, in our deeds. And if you look at your notes... We've tasted of heaven and revealed the power of the kingdom of heaven to this world. Wow. Literally right here, right now, available for you is joy. Right now, right here, available for you is power. The manifestation of the spirit, the gifts of the spirit. It's a deposit saying, you're my son, you're my daughter. I've, I've marked you. All right, how does the Apostle Paul understand this anointing? I mean, how do we, how do we get this to happen? I mean, how do we walk in a greater manifestation of his character and his presence and his power? How do we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because when the Apostle Paul comes to some believers, and you can read in the book of Acts, he comes to some believers in Ephesus, and he says, have you received? So he, he first meet them. When he's first meeting them, he says, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Now that is quite a question. In fact, the Holy Spirit is so important to the Apostle Paul that the first, he runs into these believers, he realizes they love Jesus, and he says, hey, hey, so have you guys received the Holy Spirit? That's quite a question. That's not something that we would do if you run into somebody from the church down the street. Why? Because you wouldn't want to offend them. The Apostle Paul's not worrying about offending anybody. He realizes it's like so important that he asks them, hey, have you received the Spirit since you believed? And you've got to ask yourself the same question. Have you received it? Well, I thought you said, I thought you said that receiving Jesus is him Christing us. I did. But there's something more in Scripture that you see that's beyond salvation. It's beyond salvation in Acts 19. You can read. See, if you think that the Holy Spirit is just salvation, you could be getting ripped off. Oh, salvation's very important. You, you, got, you must be saved. I mean, you, you must be born again, John 3. You, you must be saved. You've got to be born again. You've got to repent of your sin and receive God's free gift of salvation. But throughout Scripture, you'll see that there's something else that takes place. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19, and it's inferred in Acts chapter 8.
The Holy Spirit certainly draws you to the Lord. No man can come to the Father unless he draws them. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, the scripture says, for sure. But there's a unique working of the Holy Spirit apart from salvation, and I want to call that the anointing. In, in Genesis uh, 28, he, had, he poured out oil and said, this is none other than the house of God, Jacob, on that rock at a place called Bethel. The anointing is the anointing in the Old Testament on priests and kings and sometimes on prophets. They would have oil poured over them, a picture of the Holy Spirit. So now the anointed one comes, the promised Messiah, dies on a cross, rises again from the grave. And if we come to him, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We repent. We receive him. He washes us and cleanses us from all our sin, throws it as far as the east is from the west. And by the very fact that he is the anointed one, he is in the Greek is Christ. He is the Christed one. He comes and anoints us by the very fact that he lives on the inside of us. Are you following me? But then you see that there's more through Scripture. It's beyond salvation, but you're anointed by the fact that the anointing one lives in you and you in him. There's this release or the outpouring of the Spirit upon us. The anointing or the outpouring of the Spirit or the baptism of the Spirit is another way to say it. And it's for every believer. Did you receive the Spirit when you first believed? And Paul thought it was important enough to ask them that. He come to discover that they were followers of John the Baptist. And actually they had not received Jesus. And so he leads them to Christ. And then he lays hands on them and prays for them. So what we see in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. And it's implied in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 2, let's just review real quick. Acts chapter 2, they're all gathered together in one accord in the, in, the, uh, in the upper room. And after 10 days of waiting and praying, there came a sound of that which is like a mighty rushing wind. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in other languages and other tongues. And it was so dramatic that Peter, who was a cursing sailor, busts out of that place and preaches until 5,000 people get saved. He previously denied the Lord, but now he's got something that's, that's moved him, transformed him in such a way that he preaches till 5,000 people get saved. In Acts chapter 10, we see Cornelius. Cornelius' household. Peter goes and preaches, and the Holy Spirit falls on them. Now, nobody even lays hands on them. They, they, he preaches to them, and as he's preaching, the Spirit falls, and they begin to pray in these other tongues. In Acts chapter 19, again, Paul in Ephesus, lays, he, he leads them to Christ, and he lays hands on these believers. They were, they were disciples of John the Baptist. He lays hands on them, and they begin to speak in other tongues. In Acts chapter 8, and, and I say it's inferred because Philip, persecution comes to the church. Stephen is the first martyr, and Philip leaves and goes to a place called Samaria to, to finish what Jesus started with the woman at the well. And he's there in Samaria, and a great revival breaks out, and there's this man, Simon Magus, who... Blew everybody's mind by his sorceries and his power. And in fact, they said that he was the great power. Even thought he was like God. That's how much kind of demonstration he had. There is demon power. You all know that, right? And so Simon Magus himself believed, as it says in Acts chapter 8. And it says that Simon was also baptized and he had fellowship with, um, with Philip the evangelist. And so then the apostles come to see what's going on to kind of endorse and make sure it's all good. I mean, they heard about what God's doing and there's miracles. There's all kinds of healings. People are being delivered. There's signs and there's wonders. The apostles come and whatever they did was different than, whatever happened through them was different than healing. 
It was different than, than, than some kind of miracle. It was a different display of God's power because Simon Magus says to this, when he saw that the Holy Spirit was given through the laying on of hands, wait a minute, I thought that they were already believers. They were already believers. So what's happening? The apostles, they lay hands. Something different is happening than salvation and healing and miracles. And he says when they saw that the, the Holy Spirit was given through the laying on of hands, he said, oh, I, give me this gift also. He offered the money and they said, dude, you're still in witchcraft trying to manipulate. The sad thing is, listen to this, the sad thing is, is that he was, Simon Magus was a believer, he's baptized and he's in fellowship and he fulfilled the criteria for most board members in most churches. But he was, he was bound. Well, that was just bonus right there. And so he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. So the outward sign that they're filled with the Holy Spirit is that they spoke in other tongues. Wow. All right, walking in the anointing. How do you, what about walking? How do you walk in the power of God? How do you walk in the presence of God? How do you walk with the person of the Holy Spirit? How do you walk in the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit? It's a good question. The first thing is, believe that... The, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Pardon me. Be, be filled. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. So if, you're, if you've believed and you've, well, I should say the first thing is get saved first. <laughs> you got you to gotta get right with God. You, you got to give your heart to Jesus. All right. It's not, it's not some religious work. It's, it's you've got to believe on Jesus first. Repent of your sin and make him the Lord of your life. That's number one. I probably should have that in the notes. Pretty important. Number two, number two, or one in your notes, believe that God wants to fill you. Believe that God wants to anoint you. He wants to fill you with his spirit. Beyond salvation, he wants to give you power to live the Christian life. He wants to give you power to cast out devils. He wants to give you power to witness. He wants to give you power to represent Christ in the earth, Jesus in the earth. Represent him, to present him again. What a master plan God had. Go on, somebody say, God wants to fill me. He already loves you. He died for you. Now believe that he wants to anoint you. He wants to baptize you in his spirit. So I can almost hear people beginning to shut down. Because there's many people that they hear teaching like this and they dismiss it because that hasn't happened for them. And really that is, that if I could encourage you, if that's happening for you right now, you're online, or you're listening to this podcast, you're here in the sanctuary, don't do that. Don't define what God does by your experience. You missed a great place to say amen. So if you haven't experienced it, then that doesn't mean that that means that God hasn't done that. God doesn't do that. No, that's not how it is. You define what God does by his word. And when you see what he does in his word, believe that he can do that through you. So does that mean that God could use you to raise the dead? Yes or no? Yes. Have you seen that? Maybe not yet. I raised a cat once, I think. Praise God. <laughs> You don't want to hear that story. That's, that's quite a story. So can God use you to heal the sick? Yes. Can God, can God use you to do miracles? Yes. Can God fill you? Give you a prayer language? Baptism of the Holy Spirit? The answer is yes. Yes. You see it in Scripture, then it's available for you. Amen. He said, well, what, what if that hasn't happened for me? Well, don't dismiss it, write it off, and feel all rejected. So many people have suffered with rejection that when things don't happen for them, when God, when they see it in Scripture, but it happened for them, they take it as, well, well Lord, may, might, maybe he doesn't love me like that. Maybe I'm not, you know, may, or, or maybe that just doesn't exist, so I'm going to go and hang out with people that don't believe in that. I'm just going to be over here with people that say that ceased. I mean, but I read my Bible. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he healed the sick before, he can heal the sick today. If he filled people with the Spirit before, and there's signs and wonders and the demonstration of the Spirit, then God can fill people today with the demonstration of the Spirit of God. 
some of you need some demonstration. In other words, I, I don't mean watching uh, somebody come as a guest speaker to bring a demonstration. I mean you bring a demonstration. And nothing else will satisfy you really, but really walking in fullness with the Lord. So two, be hungry. Be, be hungry for, for the baptism of the Spirit. Be hungry for more of God. Be hungry for Him. If you're not hungry for God, something's wrong with you. If somebody lost their appetite. In other words, I don't want to eat anymore. What do you mean you don't want to eat anymore? I'm just not hungry. Okay, well, maybe that could last for a few days or maybe even a week. Okay, maybe you've lost your appetite. But if that goes on, I mean, you're two, three weeks, four weeks. I'm not talking about fasting. I'm hungry right now. Kind of. <laughs> We're fasting. I'm not talking about that. I mean, you lose your appetite. You lose your appetite and weeks go by and you just don't feel like eating. And more weeks go by and now you don't want to eat. How many of you know it's time to go get checked out? Something wrong. Right? And as a believer, as a Christian, as somebody who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ and he died on the cross, rose again from the grave, if you lose your hunger for God, you're in trouble. It says in the book of Deuteronomy, which we read in morning prayer not, not all that long ago, he said, I led you into the wilderness and caused you to hunger that I might feed you with manna. And it's a fascinating scripture. I led you into the wilderness. So there you are in the wilderness. You start to hunger and you're like, God, I'm hungry. Manna. But the picture is that it, it's hunger, that a spiritual hunger releases provision, releases breakthrough. You know, in, in your circumstances that you're in right now, use the circumstances to catapult you, to springboard you into a deeper place in God. So it's difficult. There's challenges. You're on, you're on, you're in the, in the, in the workplace and you're working with some guys that are maybe knuckleheads or ladies. How many of you know a lady could be a knucklehead also? And it's difficult and you want to be a shining light for them. Don't let that, you, and you're feeling that. I mean, you go and face that every day. Let that drive you to God. See, there's something about Jesus that when he said, come follow me, they're just like, yeah. They dropped their nets. There's something about the Lord that, that when he spoke, something in his word, something about him made people just leave everything and follow. I think that God could so come upon us that, that our words and our actions, there'd be something attractive about it. I don't mean about your physical attributes. I mean something about you that says, man, what is it that you're doing? Dude, you have mega sales. I mean, you got favor, your wife. Man! You've got to hunger, hunger for breakthrough, hunger for the Spirit of God. And if you're anemic, if you're lethargic, if you've lost your appetite, something's wrong. I've had people say to me uh, in preaching similar messages, oh, I, I want the power of God. But I don't, I don't want it like that. Did you see that one lady over there? She's kind of weird. So, you know, I don't, want, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want it like Pastor Michael. Oh! <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't want it like that. I, I want it dignified. I want the Holy Spirit power and fire. I'm hungry, but, but I have an idea of how I want him to come. First of all, I don't want to lift my hands. That's odd. I don't want to lift my hands. And all that yabba-dabba-doo stuff. I, I don't want any of that. How do you know that Fred Flintstone was the first one that spoke in tongues? On, on, <laughs> in cartoons. <laughs> yabba-dabba-doo. Bam-bam. Right. So I, I don't want that. I'm not going to lift my hands. I just, you know, I just, you know, I just want it the way I want it. And I've said this before. It'd be like me inviting you over my house. Say, would you, would you please come? But 
don't bring your wife. She's a little weird. Just you come. She can stay away. Listen, if you want God to fill you with power and fire, don't have a, an opinion about what that looks like. Well, you missed a great place to say amen. Everybody say, be hungry. Have hands laid on you. Have hands laid on you. You know, concerning how people respond under the power of God and the anointing, I, I've seen everything, I think, under the sun. I've seen people run. I've seen people cry. I've run. I've cried. And I'll run again. And I'll weep again. In his presence. I've seen people do crazy stuff. You say, well, that's out of order. Can I, can I tell you something? Um, there's so many churches that are so in order that there is no power. There, it, and the Spirit of God is quenched. He's just like, it's got to come like this. And if it's not like this, it's out of order. I'm going to tell you something. There is, a, there is a control that can come. A spirit of, if you have a spirit of control, you will not have revival. You won't have it. I've seen people roll upstairs. In fact, one particular guy rolled up and down a set of stairs like this, but there's seven or eight stairs going up. He rolled up and down the stairs for probably 20 minutes. Now, I don't know, you try rolling up a set of stairs. You might be able to do it, some serious core strength, but for 20 minutes, up and down, effortlessly? I've seen people leading a heavenly choir on the ground, leading a heavenly choir. When they, when they found out what was happening, they, were, they had this encounter in worship. He said, well, I don't believe in all that. Uh-huh. Except for when they came out of that experience, they wrote like 15 to 20 worship songs after that. So you got to go, um, something happened revolving around worship. The guy who rolled up and down the stairs actually was a pastor at a meeting that I was at many years ago. His church was relatively dry. He went back to his church. His church doubled in size. Is still in revival today. God's still pouring out his spirit today. So, so you can say, well, the manifestation of the spirit is a little unusual sometimes. It is, but you'll see the fruit in your life even afterwards. <laughs> Have hands laid on you. Now, in Acts 10, we don't see hands being laid on anybody, right? And in Acts 2, the Spirit comes, we don't see really anybody laid hands on them. But there is a principle of the ministry of laying on of hands, which the book of Hebrews in chapter 6 says. It's an elementary teaching. Worship, look at 4, worship. You'll notice at the end of the gospel, they're continually in the temple praising God. You've got to take time to worship. You've got to soak in His presence. Yield. Everybody say yield. Pulling on the highway the other day. It's a large Mack truck. And there was some ice. Guess what I did? I yielded. Some of you want God's power, God's presence, but you're not willing to wait, not willing to yield. And when he begins to touch you, don't, you, don't, you don't just say, Lord, have your way. It's, it's, it, you don't yield. You got to yield. Let God use you. Everybody say, let God use you. What do you mean let God use you? You know, next week we have, um, we have a, a, what's called a lights expo. It, it brings out and puts on display our small groups, our ministries, and our outreaches. It'll be right here in the church uh, after all of our services, especially after the second and third service, 10 and 12. And it's an opportunity for you to get involved. And when you get involved, you'll begin to let God use you in ministry. There comes a greater increase of his power and presence upon you. And his power and presence, that anointing upon you, will rest on you even outside the house. And when you're at work, outside the house meaning outside the church, which is totally where it should operate. In fact, I've said this, it's semi-offensive, so just hold on. If your gifts only work inside church, I wonder about your gifts. They actually need to operate out there. It's really one of the main reasons God's given us the gifts of the Spirit. 
Can you say amen? Yeah. Worship team, would you come please? So the anointing will grow as you use in the power of God. The presence of God will grow in you as you use them. How many of you want to increase in the anointing? Then use the anointing you have. God never wasted, when he fed the 5,000, they picked up scraps and everybody got take home. Whenever he did something, he never wasted anything. I've found that God will, as I take steps of faith, he puts a fresh touch of heaven upon me to walk through it. But if I never take the steps of faith, I mean, I can tell you it's all story after story after story. Standing in a, in a, in an airport with a few hundred people waiting for a delayed flight. And I'm waiting for a guest speaker to come in. And the Lord speaks to me and says, if the watchman who's on the wall doesn't put his trump, the trumpet to his mouth, then the blood is on their hands. And I knew exactly what he was saying. All those people, it's like, how many of those people are actually in Christ? How many of you are actually, how many of you are actually saved of those hundreds of people waiting for that delayed flight? And I thought, oh, probably not that many. And I knew what the Lord is telling me to do. He's going to go and I want you to go preach. I'm thinking, um, no, like, no. <laughs> but I, it was so strong on me. And so I, I didn't feel any presence. I didn't feel any power. I didn't feel zip except for the conviction of the Holy Spirit, which is significant. But I wasn't feeling that warm, joy-filled fire to go preach to somebody, you know. It kept dealing with me. I finally was so troubled, I lost my peace, and all I could think about is the, the people that were over there and the possibility that maybe their plane is going to crash or, God forbid, something going to go wrong. I've got to, I have a responsibility to go share, to go tell them about the love of God. And then my eyes began to be open, and I began to see marriages that were battling and people that were struggling. I began to see people bound by homosexuality, and God, my eyes began to open. A gift of discernment began to operate, and it so troubled me. I, I shared them with the people I was sitting with was newly married and I said oh this is what's happening and so everybody begins to pray in the spirit that's with me and so I walk off and I'm thinking Jesus help me encourage me God and I feel like he says just so stand in their midst so I go stand you know next to this public phone which tells you just about how long ago that was and as I'm standing there I'm looking I don't feel anything and I said, Lord, please, just encourage me. Please help me, God. I'll do it. I'll do it. And I look across the room, and I see a, one of my buddies comes in just praying in the Spirit. Come on, shaka, ba, ba, ba. And as soon as I saw that, I knew that was my sign. And I stepped out. As soon as I stepped out, I said, excuse me, everybody. Hello? Excuse me, hi! And I got the attention of a few hundred people and I told them a joke and they all laughed and then I preached Christ crucified to them and that if they weren't saved, they were basically headed to hell and they needed Jesus and he loved them. And man, you should have seen what happened. And people were like, shut up! I had people so mad. And then other people didn't hear anything I said. And then there was a group of people that actually heard me and they were believers and there, there's people weeping, there's people getting touched by God. And I, and, and I just gave the gospel. And when I walked off, I remember just shaking like, wow, that was like awesome. But it wasn't awesome till I stepped. The, 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 the sea, the Jordan doesn't part till you step. Come on, stand up on your feet. Lift your hands to heaven. Hunger and thirst for God's presence and power in your life. You need it. You need it for raising your children. You need it in your marriage. You need it on the job. Come on, you need it. It's not an it, it's him. You need him. You need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Lord, right now, I pray, come and fill, touch each and every one in this place, those online. Holy Spirit, come fill right now. Break every bondage, Lord. Lord, forgive us for where we've not been hungry for you. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, fill each one. 
You have the freedom to pray in your spirit. Now listen, there's, there's, there's tongues with interpretation. That's prophecy. But then there's tongues that's a prayer language. It doesn't need to be, uh, it doesn't need to be interpreted. And, and you'll see that in, in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Father, thank you. Come on now, if you have that prayer language, just begin to pray that right out loud. If you've never been given a prayer language, ask him right now to fill you. Holy Spirit, fill each one. Touch, fill, remove every obstacle. Maybe you're not right with God, and as I begin to close this service, if you're not right with God all across this place, those online, you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or make a recommitment to Him, won't you pray this prayer right out loud? Say, Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for dying in my place. And thank you for rising again from the grave for me. Thank you for rising again. Forgive me of all of my sin. And come into my life. Into my life. Be my Lord. my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my Savior. Wash me. Wash me. Cleanse me. And make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Again, Holy Spirit, fill each one. Anoint each one. Your power, your presence, to live for you, to resist sin, to walk in power and authority, to represent, to represent Jesus in the earth. That we would be made more like him with every encounter. Use us. Release boldness upon each and every one here. That we would reach out to our loved ones, reach out to our neighbors. We'd reach out to those on the job site or at work. We'd reach out, Lord, and boldly declare the truth of Jesus and the power of the Spirit. Release miracles in and through your people right now. a word for um, for you. I guess God's picking on you, Quake and Priscilla, but I'll keep fighting it. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to do that. I see you uh, surrounded uh, and in, a, in a, uh, some circumstances that are rather challenging. The Lord is going to uh, remove some people. There's some, some thorns in your side that are going to be removed. And uh, I see God elevating you and promoting you. The blessing of the Lord, when God blesses a family, when God blesses someone, he adds no trouble to it. And he's going to lay out like a table, like a banqueting table. And it's going to be, remember that as that happens, as that happens, it's going to be for the, for the declaration of the glory of God. And I see God elevating you. I see God promoting you and giving you favor. And some of the thorns in your side, let them motivate you. <laughs> Let those circumstances and situations, even at the job site, let them motivate you. Let them push you towards me. As Hannah was provoked by her rival, and then she cried out, and the, one of the greatest Old Testament prophets came forth, Samuel. So it is. Let it motivate you. Let it fuel you to go closer to God, to cry out for his intervention and for his favor and his breakthrough, and you're going to see it. You're going to see that happen. You're going to see it happen. I'm bringing one man down, and I'm raising up another. I believe God's raising you up. Can somebody say amen? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just lift your hands and worship service is almost over. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Oh. Lord says, my daughter, I'm not going to leave you frustrated. I'm not going to leave you panging 
and, 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 and want. I'm going to satisfy you in the deepest places of your heart. You're in the midst of a breakthrough. You are in the midst of the parting of circumstances and situations. It tells me to tell you, don't worry. Don't be weary. Don't worry. Put your hand to the plow and you're going to see things part. Your heart will follow. Emotions will follow that which you know is the truth. The Lord, touch. I see God using you mightily. Even the impartation of things that happened back in Missouri is for a purpose. Let it drive you forward. Revelation, things that were given, they will bring revolution. You're part of this army that's being raised up. Walk in the anointing. Walk in his favor. Walk in his presence. It's up to you. He's done everything that he was supposed to do. It's up to you to walk in that. It takes boldness, which comes out of a prayer life and intimacy with God. It requires a boldness. Be hungry. Be hungry for God. Find yourself practicing his presence. And if a dove was to land on your shoulder right now, and you know it's not going to poop on you, so it's going to be okay. And there it is. It's on, it's on your shoulder. And it's this beautiful bird. You, know, you, 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 you want to keep it on your shoulder so you're not, you're not going to freak out and like take off. There's a walking in the Spirit. Maintain your peace. Hold your peace. Walk in his presence. Practice his presence. And you'll find a release of God's power to break through everywhere in every situation, circumstance. There's no trial. There's no difficulty that you can't overcome by the power of the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Can you say amen? Amen. Father, thank you for what you've done today. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to us. Keep us, give us peace, and use us mightily by the anointing of the Holy Ghost and fire. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll hope to see you tonight, 6 o'clock. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska, and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.